magic lamp. Wonder what happens when I rub it. You have awakened me. I shall grant you three wishes. My first wish is for economic development. My second wish is to save hours of travel time. And my third wish is to create safer roads. You could have just wished for bus rapid transit and gotten all these things with one wish. Make all your transit wishes come true. Learn more about bus rapid transit at indigo.net slash bus dash rapid dash transit. It is 1031. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. And in studio, our very special guest. She's a former state auditor. She was a former state representative, now the lieutenant governor for the state of Indiana, currently running for governor, Suzanne Crouch. Hello. Hello, Rob and Casey. And you know, where's Tony? I thought it was on the Tony Cash <laughs> show That's what today. everybody always you know? asks. And I'll is... tell you what I was listening to on the way over here. Um, you're the one. Girls like to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you were to take a look at the past seven years and, and the Holcomb administration and give it a letter grade, A, A, B, C, D, F, what would it be? A. Interesting. Why? Because of the accomplishments that we have seen in so many areas that have benefited Hoosiers. You know, we have seen in my agency, OCRA, as you know, oversees the expansion of broadband throughout Indiana. We made that a priority in 2019. We've invested $268 million connecting Hoosiers throughout Indiana. And as you know, Rob and Casey, with the agencies I oversee, Secretary of Agriculture, Office of Community and Rural Affairs, the Indiana Destination Development Corporation, and the Indiana Housing Community Development Authority have a real thrust and emphasis on rural Indiana. And I believe that rural Indiana is our next great economic frontier. But in order to unlock the opportunity there, we have to have people connected. And we saw how important that was during COVID. So that is one of the reasons that I think that we you know, should be given an A is our ability to expand broadband throughout Indiana, giving that opportunity to Hoosiers in rural Indiana, but also because of, you know, the economy and the, you know, the way we have grown the economy here in Indiana with lower unemployment, with the ability to put Hoosiers into jobs throughout Indiana, uh, extremely important and improving and putting a focus on the quality of life. So you, just to make sure we understand, you're you're okay on running on the Holcomb record. Like you would look at Eric Holcomb's record and I'm say- running on, I'm running uh, Suzanne Crouch for governor. Well, but you're a big, you've been a big part of his administration. I mean, you've been the number, number two. So, I mean, you're saying I am okay with being judged based on the record of the Holcomb ad- administration. Well, you know, as Lieutenant Governor, I'm going to claim the successes, but I also have to, I also have to, you know, also have to be able to account for the, you know, the not successes. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's kind of, I think if you look at the state convention a couple of years ago where Diego wins against Holly Sullivan, that was largely seen as a referendum on the governor. That's a bold position to take running in a Republican primary because there's a lot of people who I'm a, one of them believe the governor has really failed people. Is there an area where you would look at, because you mentioned it, and say Holcomb didn't do a good job? Holcomb failed the citizens of the state of Indiana. Is there is there some place that stands out to you to say, we could have done a lot better? You know, I, I believe we can't live in the past, Rob and Casey. You know, we have to be accountable for it. We learn from mistakes, and then we move forward into the future. And so what I want to talk about is the future. Mm-hmm. But, but 
I will say that there were many private conversations that the governor and I had, and they're going to continue to stay private. And I didn't agree with him on every single but, issue. But why? But, but why? I, You're a public servant. Why would those things stay private? Because the same reason my conversations with my husband stay private, Rob. We don't agree on everything. And I know that you have conversations with people in your life that stay private. And so... and. There are many things that I didn't agree with the governor on. Such as? Can you give us one? The veto of the, you know, the bill that, you know, would not allow boys to be able to be in our girls' locker rooms and play on their sports teams. Okay. So what about COVID? Because I think the big, and I think you know this, you're very smart, you're you're very astute politically. You know there's a lot of people who are judging you based on Holcomb. A lot of those people at state convention who rejected Holly Sullivan and voted for Diego, they're lumping you into the same thing. And I think the behavior during COVID was really what turned a, lo- a lot of people. Sure. Do, do you believe the governor handled with the lockdowns, the, ma- the mask mandates, the business closures? Do you think Holcomb handled COVID well? I believe that what we learn is our mistakes from the past, Rob. And I'm going to tell you this. Because of COVID, we've seen a 20% increase in anxiety and depression among the population. We've seen a 60% increase among young people. It's the second leading cause of death among young people is suicide. And my family, as you know, has struggled with that. I had a mother that struggled with anxiety and depression. You know, my older, older brother died of alcoholism. My younger sister died by suicide in her early 20s. And our daughter, our only child, is 16 years sober and bipolar. I saw... What COVID did to her and did to many other Hoosiers, and because of that, there can be no more mass mandates or lockdowns. And when I'm governor, there won't be, because we can't do that again because of what it has done to our population. Okay, so I have a two-part question, and you're leading me right into it. As you mentioned, uh, mental health is going to be a priority of yours, as one in five in Indiana suffer from issues. You have said that you want to be more creative and innovative in uh, solving the problem. How? Well, first of all, we don't have enough professionals in serving Hoosiers that are struggling with mental illness and addiction. And so we have to look at how do we attract more people to those professions. We have to look at loan forgiveness programs to get more young people in. But I think we also have to take the services to the people. And we have to recognize that technology is playing a bigger and bigger role in our lives, and it has to play a bigger and bigger role when it comes to giving services and getting people connected to those services that will help them. So that is one thing we have to do. I think we have to look at how do we get people the, how do we get services to people where they are, not expect them to come to where the services are. And so there is a national program, I've you know, been a part of experiencing it where we actually have barbers who will in neighborhoods be equipped with the information and the resources to be able to get help to those people that come to their shops because they're the ones that are talking to them. I think we have to look at how we equip everyday Hoosiers. And then we have to look at our model of delivery, our model of service, you know, being able to make the changes and having peer coaches and peer counselors and be able to get assistance to people when they need it, maybe not necessarily to a therapist or psychiatrist immediately. We have to look at when it comes to more psychiatrists, which were woefully unrepresented here in Indiana, 
let's look at having more residency, psychiatric residencies to be able to attract them here. Lieutenant Governor Suzanne Crouch is our guest. I want to go back to, to 2020 because, again, I think this... And, you and like it, to live in the past. No, I'm no. to the future. No, I, I, you guys did a lot of harm to a lot of people in 2020. And there's a lot of people whose businesses never recovered. There's a lot of people who were put out of work who have still not gained that level of income. And there's not a single solitary thing that the governor can point to to prove that anything he did kept one person um, alive. And so I am asking the questions that we hear every single day, which is the people want to be assured that they're never going to be denied the ability to earn a living ever again, that they're never going to see their businesses close, that they're never going to be tried to be put in jail for not wearing a mask. We have to review what happened with this administration because, Suzanne, you're an incredibly nice person. But people lump you in with the governor because you didn't publicly object to these to these things. And so you are saying right now, if you're a governor, you will never shut the state down again. You will allow people to go to work. You allow people to go to, to church. Absolutely. So so you will never under any circumstances shut the state of Indiana down again. We can't. We can't afford to. You know, what would you have done differently? Because you were in a position where you could have spoken out publicly, but from all accounts you did not so what would you have done differently if you could get in a time machine well i don't have the luxury of going back and changing and i can look back over my life casey Mm -hmm. and i can say if i had it to do over again i do this this and this Mm -hmm. i don't have that luxury Mm -hmm. what i have to do is learn from experiences and know what i'm going to do moving forward and so i will tell you this when Governor Holcomb said go home and stay home, I ended up going to Evansville. I was there for three days, and I thought, I can't, this is crazy. And I went back to work and went into the state house every day. I didn't go and not participate. I tried to be a part of what we needed to do. And quite honestly, when we look back, we were lied to by Fauci and the federal government, you know, and so. I will tell you this, when I'm governor, experts will be on tap, but they're not going to be on top. You know, we're not going to have them be telling us what we can do because we know it doesn't work. We've seen it. Real quick, I want to ask you one more thing about 2020, and then there's some big things going on that you're you're Mm -hmm. trying to kind of lead on, I think, right now. and, And a lot of people are curious about this. The governor, in the wake of the riots downtown, had a VIP meet. He first of all, he called those people noble. He had a month before called people who peacefully protested in front of his residency, picked up all their trash, went home. Nobody was injured. He called those people a human Petri dish. And then, which I'm sure you're aware that he did, they did in a press conference. He then called the rioters noble and then proceeded to have a VIP meet and greet with Malik Mohammed, a domestic terrorist who threatened to seize his house on live television. And then Malik Mohammed, he let Malik Mohammed go. Malik Mohammed goes to Portland and is now in jail for attempting to kill cops. Did you object to that at all? Did you tell him how offensive that was to so many people? And if these social justice protests, riots, whatever you want to call them, happen again, how are you going to handle it differently than Holcomb handled it? Well, I'm not going to tolerate as governor people disrupting our peace, people in in making us not safe. I mean, that is... What we have seen happen, because I live in downtown Indianapolis, what we saw during COVID and the destruction and all the harm that was done to businesses, they haven't recovered. They haven't recouped. And so we can't tolerate that kind of behavior. And we need to be sure that we have the state police there participating, 
you know, and they need to be on call and they need to be there, particularly if local police are not doing their job and not there helping to protect citizens. But I will tell you, I know a lot of the senators, a lot of the people that participated in that demonstration outside of the governor's mansion, and they aren't, you know, bad people. They're law-abiding people that should have what, the right to say what they want to why say. why didn't anybody in the administration, why didn't you, why didn't anyone? I, I just, when he called those people a human Petri dish, that's the about the worst thing you can say to somebody. And then Malik Muhammad gets VIP treatment. And a lot of people looked at that and they said, that's, I mean, look, Donald Rainwater raised eight cents and got 345,000 votes. That was a protest vote against the governor. And and I just wonder why nobody stood up for those people when the governor was so awful to people who were doing nothing wrong and the people who were destroying downtown got photo ops and meet and greets. And people should have the right. And as governor, I'll protect the right to say and to assemble and to do what they need to do to express themselves and to be able to say what they think that is different from me. Because I believe that we can't be closed as leaders to the public. It's why I believe that, you know, moving forward into this convention for a lieutenant governor, the delegates should have the right to choose. Yeah, I think that's great. You know, and you were a leader on that. You deserve credit. You were one of the first people to come out and say that. Absolutely. Because this government is the people's government. Yeah. let's. And when one person feels like it's their government. Yeah. Then they fail the people. Let's talk about your plan now, which I think is interesting. It's axe the tax. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say you can't or won't do that because you won't cut. They estimated it at $8 billion from the government. Now, I would love to see you do that. I'd be your biggest fan. <laughs> do you have a plan to cut $8 I billion? I want to tell you my plan to axe the tax. Uh, let's Robin hear all Casey. about it. I want to know. I, I'm I'm interested in more money, as you know, and I'm interested in cutting $8 billion from state government. You let's know, go. Let's all right. I travel the state, and I listen to Hoosiers, you know, and they're struggling today from the high cost of living, inflation, and binomics. You know, it costs $11,000 more today than oh, it yeah. did three years yeah. ago just mm-hmm. to meet basic needs, you know, so we can ax a tax and we can put thousands of dollars back into Hoosier's pockets. The Federal Reserve in St. Louis says the average Hoosier makes $58,000. That's $2,000 of their money we give back to them. Yeah. Now, special interest groups, big spending bureaucrats, my opponents are saying it can't be done, but that money's not theirs, it's yours. And Hoosiers will always spend their money more wisely than the government. So where, where do we and take governor, it? Where I'm do we make t- sure we're, well, I'm getting ready. I'm okay, telling you. Perfect. I'm telling you, Rob. Let me talk. Okay, perfect. You know, uh, keep the tax, Kendall. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah. <laughs> Let me talk. So anyway, $2,000 we can save. Yeah. So as former vice chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, as former auditor of state, I'm telling you we can do it. And here is how. Great. All right. We limit government growth. We end wasteful government spending, and we find efficiencies in government. So, in 2013, my last year in the General Assembly, we passed a two-year, $30 billion budget for the state of Indiana. 2023, 10 years later, we passed a $44.5 billion budget. We increased government spending by 50%, but from the 21 to the 23 budget session, we increased government spending by 19%. Before we passed the budget, in 2023, we had a $6 billion surplus. Yeah. So we kept $2.9 billion as our surplus. We put the other $3.1 billion into government You're spending. Right. But why weren't you publicly so objecting about this until now? We, I love this. But why wait till now? So if we had taken <laughs> some of that money 
and put it towards limiting the income tax, we'd be that much closer. And we're already doing it, Rob and Casey. I mean, mm-hmm. in 2027, we're going to go from 3.1 to 2.9%. I'm saying, let's take excess surpluses and revenues in the future, and rather than spend them, let's put them towards eliminating the income tax. I'm not talking about a tax replacement. I am talking about a tax cut. I, and so I love it. we take our $44.5 billion base and we let it grow at a controlled amount, cost of living, rate of inflation, not 19%. We take those excess revenues and surpluses, put it towards limiting rate, the tax, and we will be able to phase it in and we will be able to do it and put triggers in place to protect so, against economic so, downturn. So you're going to go to Rod and Todd, the Flanders boys, and say, here's the deal. I'm vetoing any budget that has growth of government outside of whatever they determine that number is. I'm going to work with the General Assembly, and I'm going to leverage my relationships and what I have that no other opponent has Okay, is the relationships in the General Assembly to make these kind of bold things happen. Because I was eight years as a state representative. I had those relationships. Seven years as a state senator, as president of the Senate. I had those relationships. So you can have a bold vision. But if you don't have the relationships within the General Assembly, you're not going to get it done. And at the end of the day... I believe that people will become engaged because they want their money back. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC, and that is the voice of Suzanne Crouch, who wants to be your governor of the great state of Indiana. All right, let's, uh, you just mentioned relationships, and let's talk about your relationship with Senator Bray, because you are not agreeing on something. You have mentioned that you want to do an audit of the FSSA, and we know recently there was that billion-dollar clerical error. Uh, how do you do a revenue projection if you do an audit of this organization? What do you expect to find? And you have mentioned that you want to pause the cuts. How do you pay for it? Well, first of all, I, the reason I want an audit is how do you make a billion dollar mistake? Mm-hmm. How do you make a billion dollar mistake and then say we're going to cut services to the families and to the children that are severely disabled and have medical complex needs. How do we do that? But part of my eliminating the income tax is modernizing state government. You know, I know how state government works. I know what we can do to make it work better. And so I want to take state government and come in and have outside sources come in and actually do audits on all of the agencies because I believe we will find efficiencies and cost savings that we can then also use to direct towards other services or towards eliminating the state income tax. You know, I already have a plan. We're on our third iteration of a plan to take our 100 state agencies and get them down to 35 or less. And so to be able to consolidate and to be able to realize cost savings. So it's all about it's not about finding more money to spend. It's about taking the money that we have and finding savings within our current government to be able to direct towards those services. And so at the end of the day, it's truly about being bold and understanding government and being in local government, state government at the executive and legislative levels. I don't need on the job training. I know how government works and I know how it can work better. So how do we square? Because you, I asked, started by saying, what grade would you give Holcomb, Holcomb administration? You said A. Okay. But this interview has been about how government is too big. It's too inefficient. It's too ineffective. It's grown too much. 
how I, do, how I we, want to be a plus. But how, okay, so so big government is an, this is what people kind of have struggle with. Big government, big taxes, big spending, inefficiencies, which I agree with you with on all I'm of those things. smaller government, smaller taxes, But how is that an taxes. A? That's what people don't understand is people people believe you are afraid to break from the governor. And this sort of seems like the, the, what we're doing. You what know what? You know what, Rob? I mean, honest to goodness. You know, as the chair of the Intellectual and Developmental Disability Task Force, I called a meeting to be able to have FSSA explain to us how they made a billion-dollar error. They could not answer questions. I then came out and asked for an internal audit of a state agency that I don't oversee, and I'm not afraid to do that. So Holcomb blew it. I mean, we, we knew four years ago when he was admitting he was leaving the emergency declaration in place and people were going to Colts games and Pacers games and bars and restaurants. And he was being open. He was finally forced to admit because it was so ridiculous. I'm doing this because of the federal money that's coming in is going to Medicaid. Well, you know how Medicaid works. You're smart. You're part of the General Assembly. You knew that federal money was going to end eventually. How is it that we were talking about this on our shows at the time, but yet the state of Indiana is looking around going, well, we have no idea how, how this happened. It, it, but, it, but you know what, Rob and Casey, honest to goodness, you all really don't understand the influence you have. And so when people draw attention and when the media draws attention to an issue, I have seen time and time again where that issue gets resolved. And so we ended up with pressure on to be able to end that. We now have the Senate taking on initiatives to try to look at how do we keep, if we ever have our, have our, find ourselves in these, this kind of situation again, how do we make sure that the balance of power is not disrupted? All right. I, I think we're, we're running out of time. Got about but three minutes left. It's half my show. And I would like to uh, I would like to have the last question with you, Suzanne. And we save the best to last. Um, OK, so you have the potential to be the first female governor of Indiana. And just recently you tweeted out Happy National Girls and Women in Sports Day. And you had mentioned it was the one area that you and Eric Holcomb did disagree on. How do we protect women in sports? How do you work with the NCAA to make make sure that uh, females are not hurt when they're just trying to play. Well, you know what? As you know, Casey, women have worked very, very hard and very, very long to have the right to vote and the right to be able to participate in our own sports. And so at only for the last 50 years have we been able to do that. And as governor, I'll protect their right to be able to participate and to be able to be protected and to be able to be safe in the sports. And I will stand up and take on whoever wants to fight in terms of not trying to do that. Why should people vote for you? What distinguishes you from the other candidates? Well, first of all, I love and have a heart for Hoosiers and for Indiana. I also had the experience at the local and legislative level to be able to deliver results for Hoosiers. And I'll tell you, I traveled the state I have for nine years listening to Hoosiers, listening to the same people, Rob, you and Casey listen to, and they know that we can do better. And that's what I want to do as governor. I want to deliver more results. I want to give them more economic freedom. I want them to have the freedom to live their own life 
and to choose the path they want to choose without interference from an all-powerful government at the local, at the state, or at the federal level. And, okay. and real quick, I just want to say you deserve 100% credit for coming in here. There's a lot of people you're running against who will not do that and have not been willing to do that. And you deserve all the credit for being willing to do That's that. That's because girls just want to have fun. <laughs> do you have a website or people want to know more about the acts, the tax plan? Crouch for Indiana. That's pretty simple, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty simple for that. And we will in no way hold against you. That and you, have, you know what? What? You haven't even said anything about Silent Sue. I well, told my husband. I said you were very I quiet. I told my husband I that mean, you called me Silent Sue. I did, Sue, yes. I, I, and I, he laughed. I, I think the silence was very harmful for the state because I think you are far more no, I think it was Silent Suzanne. Silent Suzanne, that's mm-hmm. right. And I think that was very harmful for the state. I think you... Thank you for speaking out. Yeah, you're a very likable person. I think you had the ability to to help people. But CrouchForIndiana.com is the website. Is that correct? That's it, Rob. There you go. Su- Suzanne Crouch, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Casey. We appreciate your time and the conversation. You're listening to Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC.